Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary, and I'm honored by how many people listen to this podcast each and every week. I keep making this podcast for you, for the listeners. I'd like to invite you to a very special opportunity to become a part of the How They Love Mary community through Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash howtheylovemary. And in exchange, there are two different tiers, and there's going to be bonus content, two additional videos each month, and the opportunity to pose a question that I will ask to the guest. I hope that you will help support this podcast, How They Love Mary, through the Patreon with your support, I'll be able to upgrade my equipment. With your support, I'll be able to pay for the monthly web hosting and not out of my own pocket. With your support, I will be able to hire a graphic designer to make images so that this podcast may be better known. Thanks for listening. And now, on with the show for today. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. And you know, the season of Advent, it's a Marian season. There's a few Marian feast days in there. We have the Immaculate Conception, a holy day of obligation, the patroness of the United States of America. We have the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And then as we get closer and closer to Christmas, we hear the story of how the birth of Jesus came about, and it has a lot to do with the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary in salvation history. Today, we are speaking with Father Joel Sember. He is a priest of the Diocese of Green Bay, and that might sound familiar because I'm a priest of the Diocese of Green Bay, so we welcome to authorship another priest uh, from Green Bay, Wisconsin, from our diocese. Uh, he did some training as a spiritual director through the Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha and uh, currently serves as pastor of some parishes uh, in rural northeastern Wisconsin. He has written a book for Advent that you're going to want to pray with called Orient, a pilgrimage through Advent and Christmas. So it's not just for Advent, but for Christmas too. Welcome to How They Love Mary, Father Joel Sember. Well, thank you for having me on today. Yeah, Father Joel, you actually were my pastor growing up for a number of years in my hometown. So so I have a great relationship with you, a friendship there. And uh, now it's great to be able to talk with you about your book. And I remember you came to me and a few others that have written books and just asked for a little guidance of where to go, how to go about it. And I recommended Our Sunday Visitor. And lo and behold, OSV is the publisher of your book, Orion's A Pilgrimage Through Advent and Christmas. So I'm sure it's great to see kind of the concept, something that you thought of and then prayed with. And then I know you did kind of an experiment with people with the book last year and now to see it in print in a book form it must you must have a sense of accomplishment there yeah it's it's pretty amazing experience to hold a book in your hand and um yeah i appreciate your help on the journey you know it took me a solid year to write it and that's because i was kind of inspired uh around christmas um of i would have been 2018 and uh, started writing the manuscript and got something together. And you said, hey, this looks pretty good. You should try it. And I said, where would you recommend? You said OSV. And sure enough, they picked it up. But you also said it's probably too late for Christmas of 2019. They already have their catalog set. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. 
Um, but sure enough, I pitched it to OSV and they said, we love it, but it's too late. We've got it. Uh, we've got um, the catalog set. But if you want to work on a 2020 book, we'd be happy to give you a contract for that. So I had a good solid year to get it in. And uh, I needed all that time to write the manuscript, kind of squeezed it in around priestly duties. And uh, then had a chance to sort of, like you said, preview it, um, gave it to some folks last year at Christmas time so they could pray with it, give me some advice back. So it's been a, a great journey. It's been a challenge working with the editors and stuff. I appreciate the work that goes into every book that you publish now a little bit more. Um, <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, one of the subtitles of your book is A Pilgrimage Through Advent and Christmas. And I know that pilgrimage has played a big role in your own life and your own priesthood. Uh, as pastor of my home parish and the other parishes that are attached to it or were attached to it, uh, you would organize walking pilgrimages to the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help and Champion. So people would walk five days. You would walk maybe 20 miles a day or so, and you would eventually end up there at the Marian apparition site. The idea of walking pilgrimages, something very European, especially with the Camino de Santiago. Uh, could you just share a little bit about how pilgrimage has played a role in your life? Sure. It was the Camino that inspired me. I did a, a short version. I walked the Camino Português, which is from the border of Portugal up uh, to uh, Santiago de Compostela. So it's a famous, still that famous destination, but not walking all the way across Spain for the Pyrenees Mountains. And But even that short journey, uh, just six days with a, a seminarian friend of mine, um, really inspired me. Like I loved it. it. It was so simple and yet so profound at the same time. And so when I got back to the States, I thought, well, why would we have to fly to Europe to walk down the road? And um, I was, my first assignment was Oshkosh, and I did a, a pilgrimage to um, uh, the, the shrine there to Holy Hill in Hubertus. And then um, once I got to Okano as a pastor, I realized it was about 55 miles to the shrine. So we don't walk 20 miles. We walk uh, 12 or maybe 13 at the most on a given day. Um, but it, was, it had exactly the same effect on others that I had hoped. It was that sort of simple but profound journey, like walking down the road, walking together, sleeping in church basements, um, and just sort of discovering a different way of being in the world, of being with each other, like kind of slowing down. And so it was that realization that I wanted to bring to Advent. Um, Advent's one of those seasons that, you know, kind of gets lost because we're so busy getting ready for Christmas, celebrating Christmas uh, with Christmas parties and things. Um, and, and then we get to Christmas and it's like, well, where's this aha moment? It's kind of like when you do a European pilgrimage and you fly over there and take a bus to five different shrines or something, you, you get off the bus and you're looking for a little bit of an aha moment at the shrine. Um, and I think that's how we approach Christmas. It's like, okay, we're going to ride the Advent bus, and when we get to Christmas, it'll be some big aha. And then it's it's kind of it's often not. Um, and I thought, but what if Advent weren't meant to be a bus pilgrimage? What if Advent were meant to be a walking pilgrimage, where you slow down, where you walk with the Lord each day, and where instead of a big aha moment, your eyes are open to the presence of Jesus in sort of humble, quiet ways. So that's my hope: is that as people. You know, I talk about it as a journey. I talk about it as a walk. I mean, it's really a book. It's really a retreat. But it's a retreat that hopefully will open your eyes each day to that quiet presence of Jesus in your life. So that when you get to Christmas, the aha is, oh my gosh, Jesus is everywhere. He's already with us. He's here right now. And I've never really noticed how much he loves me and how much his love is present in my daily life. 
Yeah, and the season of Advent, as we go towards Christmas, it is, as you mentioned, a pilgrimage in a sense, and we do journey with Mary. And I know a lot of pregnant women who have experienced Advent, and they've just remarked, in, in a sense, that, you know, I really can understand and identify with Mary, and it's such a, a joyful moment to be pregnant, they say, during the season of Advent, if they're really in touch with their spirituality. Uh, so it's walking with Mary. Maybe then you can see a little bit of a pilgrimage in a sense, uh, just because of Beth, uh, of the wise men, of the three kings coming, that they are on a journey, that they've come from far away, and now they're arriving at the manger or to the Christ child. And then even the journey of the Holy Family to bring Jesus to the temple, which your book is interesting in that it goes all the way to Candlemas or the presentation of the Lord on February 2nd. But that was, in a sense, a journey for the Holy Family too. Wherever they were at, they go and then Simeon takes the baby into his hands. And Simeon says, my life pilgrimage is over now because I've seen the Messiah. So really, it does capture uh, the essence of Advent and Christmas, this idea of pilgrimage. Yeah, that um, that was one of the insights or one of the gifts. One way that this book is different from other books is that, you know, Advent can be a busy time and Christmas can be a busy time. Well, if you buy the book and you, for some reason, get really swamped with stuff and you just don't pick it up until the day after Christmas, you have more than half the book left because, because you've... Um, You've got, you know, the 20-some days, 28 days or less of, of Advent, followed by the 40 days to Candlemas. It's kind of a nice little symmetry there with Lent being 40 days of fasting, 50 days of feasting. The old sense of Christmas seems to be that, you know, four weeks of preparation followed by 40 days of enjoying the Christ child. And um, so you've got all that journey and it's easier to pray in January. It's easier to pray in that sort of post-Christmas lull. And I really feel like a lot of what Mary learned wasn't just preparing for Christmas, but it was holding the Christ child. It was meditating on what it meant for the word to become flesh. Um, as she nursed the baby, um, as she pondered those things in her heart. And, um, and then the presentation is always seen as this moment when she and Joseph kind of present the child to, to the Jewish people, you know, the epiphany, present the child to the world, the, the wise men have come to see him, but here he is entering his temple, like the God who was worshipped there for centuries. And so we go out to greet him with lit candles. It, it, in a sense, it's the culmination of the Advent wreath, but it's also a preparation for the Easter vigil, when we'll once again light candles. So I was really disappointed uh, last year, um, when Candlemas February 2nd fell on a Sunday, most priests didn't do anything with candles. They didn't bless candles. They didn't process with candles. They didn't do anything. Um, and I'd been meditating on this and thinking about why does this feast day celebrated with such importance, uh, so much so that it even gives us Groundhog Day. Um, and I feel like that is a key to really understanding Christmas is the, the Candlemas moment. Your book is called Orions, and people might not even know what that word means. So what does Orions mean, and why title your book with that word? Well, Orient comes from the Latin verb uh, orior, which means to rise, and so it's it means rising. But um, it's used as a, a noun um, for dawn or east is where we get Orient from. It's the word in the Canticle of Zechariah when he says, the dawn from on high shall break upon you. And to me, that summarizes what the journey is about, that the light of Christ is growing in our hearts. First of all, as the world grows dim, that 
by meditating on the message of Christ, that that light that was given us at baptism is just growing brighter and brighter until the dawn from on high breaks upon us. So that's that sense of starting in the darkness and and it be, and the light growing and growing on our Advent wreath, growing in our hearts, growing in our life. So it means dawn, it means it means east, it means uh, rising, um, but it also um, is, is what I think the essence of the whole season of Advent and Christmas is meant to be. When somebody picks up your book, they order it, they buy it at their local Catholic bookstore, they get it from Amazon. When they get the book and they finally open it up on the first Sunday of Advent, what can they expect to find? Well, I've got uh, a little um, introduction. If you go to my, my website, pilgrimpriest.us, you can click on the book and you can look at the preview. I really encourage people to um, read the introduction there. It kind of sets out exactly what I'm hoping to do. It talks about a little bit of stuff we've talked about with the Advent journey. Um, I also have a, um, I, I suggest that people take time and maybe consider, for example, putting up their Christmas tree, but not lighting the, uh, the Christmas tree until the, the light of the world is born on Christmas Eve or, or Christmas Day. Um, I think they'll they'll find a book that has a it has a journaling section for them. It has a scripture section. It gives you a scripture every day. Um, I encourage people on the very first day to plan a little prayer place. I find that we need a place to pray, and we should have a dedicated place to pray, even if it's just a corner in your bedroom with a candle and a holy image and a comfortable chair, um, a place where you, the distractions are there are gone. And so that's what I encourage people in that first day is, is think through their season, but also just plan a place and a time when they're going to pray each day. They'll find it gives them a scripture passage. It gives them um, some guidance on how to pray with that passage, and it gives them uh, journal questions and some journal space. The one thing the book does not give you is it doesn't give you a meditation for every day. It rather, it teaches you to meditate. So as you go through this book, you'll learn the ancient tradition of Lectio Divina, You'll learn um, the imaginative prayer that comes from the Ignatian tradition. You'll learn um, ARRR, a form of relational prayer. Um, and you'll also learn to sit back and reflect. Every Saturday is dedicated to re-reflecting on where you've been on that week. So um, that's, that's what you'll find is a journal space, scripture space, and something provided for you every day. Um, so make a place and a, and a time in order to pray. When a person goes on pilgrimage, oftentimes they will keep a journal. They will write down key moments. And so that's a, a wonderful way for people to really engage it. And if the person even has a spiritual director, then they can even bring this book, I would imagine, a spiritual direction and say, this is what God has done in my heart. And uh, what do you think it means? And they can find guidance there. It's a book. Yeah, they could also talk about it with other Christians. So I would encourage people to get a book for themselves, a book for their significant other um, and maybe a book also for a friend of theirs. And as you do it, then you can make some time each week to, to talk about it, to talk about the journey and to share um, your insights and, and their insights and maybe help each other through. Sometimes prayer can be a little dry and challenging and having someone, a spiritual director or a fellow on the journey, a fellow uh, pilgrim um, can really help you through those parts. And I would imagine that this is a book that they could keep going to year after year, that they'll use this book, this version in 2020. And then next year for Advent 2021, they might buy it again, and then they'll read through it, meditate through it. And then how interesting it would be to compare 2020 and 2021, your different 
a journal reflections and to see, well, what has changed in my life? Because if this book is introducing people to prayer, if it's introducing them to uh, Lexio Divina and ARRR and imaginative prayer and everything like that. Well, they're not just going to pray like that during the season of Advent and the Christmas season. They're going to start doing that every day of their lives. And they're going to be in a different place spiritually next Advent. If they use this book, it will get them there. And then to see, well, what has God done in over a year now? And how is his grace at work? So I imagine that this is a, one that someone could return to time and again. This is only uh, this edition is just meant for this year. That's because the way that Christmas moves around, and the way that the Advent season can be shorter or longer, and some of the other feasts, it gets really confusing if you try to write a book that's good for any year. And so people would need to buy it. It starts on November 29th, um, and then I've got to write the next one. I already have a contract with OSV for 2021. It'll it'll probably look similar. We'll see what evolves um, as I write that. Oh, I was envisioning that you're just going to change the days. I didn't realize that it was going to be uh, a new version of the book. So that's very exciting uh, that people will be able to anticipate and wait for that and expect that to come. So that's great. What's the biggest takeaway you hope that people will have from praying with your book, of going through it and engaging it this Advent and Christmas? Well, a huge change for me in my in my journey as a priest was what I did this spiritual director training program through the Institute for Priestly Formation. And I got back to silent retreats. I'd done these silent Ignatian retreats during my seminary preparation. I'd even done a 30-day silent retreat. Um, and then, you know, priesthood was busy and I never had the time. I never made the effort. I didn't know where to go. I, I didn't really schedule retreats. And so they, they, and when I took the program, it included a retreat every year. And for three years, I did a silent retreat once a year. And it really just got me back to how to pray again, how to listen to the Lord, how to bring my stuff to Jesus, how to pray with Scripture. And that's what I want to share with others. You know, so many of us um, don't know how to pray, honestly. We, we, we don't know how to open the Bible and, and use and find Jesus through that scripture passage or through the struggling, the daily events of our lives, how to bring those to Jesus um, and find him, find his answers there for us. And so a lot of people are looking for a spiritual director, but what they really just need is to learn how to pray. And my hope is I provide, try to provide you with enough guidance to kind of help you through if you have no experience of prayer. If you do have a lot of experience of prayer and you're comfortable with that, well, then you can just you benefit from the scripture readings that are chosen every day. Um, but once the book is done, I provide a lot of suggestions for how you can keep that journey going. I hope a lot of Christians will be like, wow, I've, I've gotten so much out of scripture. Um, like the Lord has spoken to me here and I've met him in the Bible. That's what all the ancient Christians did. And I think we just haven't had someone show us how to do that. So that's my hope is that you, the, whoever picks up this book can have that experience of, of entering into a little bit deeper prayer. And if people are looking for a Lenten journey to make, may I recommend a Lenten journey with Mother Mary, which is like a pilgrimage. <laughs> it's a pilgrimage to all of Mary's different apparitions and listening to her messages and incorporating them into our life and trying to live them in our daily lives. And the author, of course, it's a little self-promotion for my own book for a Lenten journey with Sophia Institute Press. 
Um, anyways, uh, well, it's been so great talking to you about Oriens, uh, a pilgrimage through Advent and Christmas. I hope that everybody will get it, that they will pray with it and through it, that really it will help individuals uh, to engage at a deeper level their spiritual life and uh, really to make meaning out of Advent, to, as you said earlier, not to really let it pass by as we often do. And maybe with the whole COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything, Advent's going to look a little different this year. There's not going to be all the parties that we're going to be going to and all that. So maybe this will be an advent for the books in which we truly do come to appreciate. We slow down. We are silent. We are patient. And uh, we find the Lord uh, through our own prayer. And we find him at the manger in Bethlehem. Yeah, this may be an advent in which we actually have time to pray, but also an advent in which we really need to pray. So people can get the book through Amazon. They can get it at uh, osvcatholicbookstore.com. They can get it through probably any local Catholic or Christian bookstore can order it. Um, so there's a number of ways that you can get a hold of the book. Yes, and this podcast is releasing early enough so that people will be able to get their hands on this wonderful book for the season of Advent. Before I let you go, Father Joel, uh, I often will do a Marian profile with the guest and just to help people realize that everybody's devotion to Mary looks a little different. And so it introduces us to many different facets of Marian devotion. The very first question is, what is your favorite title for the Blessed Virgin Mary? Well, I've been doing pilgrimages to Our Lady of Good Help, but um, the um, image of uh, perpetual help um, kind of has always sort of followed me around from assignment to assignment. And that image of Mary holding the Christ child, him experiencing or seeing the instruments of the crucifixion, um, the little sandal hanging off Jesus' foot, um, that image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help has really kind of spoken to me. I think it sort of adopted me. I remember in very early on in your priesthood, you actually gave a talk on Our Lady of Perpetual Help, and they made CDs of it. And I actually listened to it. I can't say that I know where it is, but I remember uh, the story of that. And and then when you went to my home parish in Oconto, there was that little icon of Our Mother of Perpetual Help there uh, by the votive area. Did that make its way into the new church that you helped to build? It did. It was one of the definite things you can see it on the right hand side um definitely wanted to save that one and in fact i installed our lady of perpetual helps in the other two churches too <laughs> that's great now how about a favorite marian sacramental sometimes we wear them we carry them it might be something else that um isn't something we wear so is there a marian sacramental you make use of well, I did the, the total consecration through to Jesus through Mary of St. Louis de Montfort when I was a seminarian, and I, I can't say I, I took it all that seriously at that point. I had My family had converted from the um, Lutheran and other sort of Protestant uh, denominations when I was 12, and I was kind of really hesitant on devotion to Mary. Uh, and so I did the total consecration because I thought it was a good idea, but I wasn't didn't really take it all that seriously. And from that point on, Mary started taking care of things in my life. Like that was the point of the talk that you listened to, was I could look back and see the ways that maybe I hadn't taken it so seriously, but Mary definitely had, and she was really taking care of me. And so that kind of deepened and renewed I, um, my consecration to Mary. I did the 33 Days to Morning Glory. Um, recently picked up A Heart Like Mary's, um, again, that book, which I really love that little book. It's so simple and so profound. Um, and so eventually got around to getting a 
a, a bracelet, a consecration bracelet that I wear all the time on my, my right wrist. And that's just a reminder to me of, you know, my consecration to Mary, but also sort of her uh, devotion, her uh, protection and maternal care for me. Beautiful. There are lots of different prayers to the Blessed Virgin Mary, some written by saints, others just a part of our tradition for a very long time. One of them, even the first half, coming from the pages of sacred scripture. Is there a Marian go-to prayer that you would pray? Um, the Magnificat really speaks to me. Um, and then um, when, I, when we do, um, uh, after night prayer, you know, there's a little Marian hymn, um, and... Um, like the Salve Regina or um, uh, Regina Chaley. I really love those Latin Marian hymns from the uh, night prayer in the breviary. Sure. It's just a great way to end the day with Mary. Yeah, just a little insight into my own Liturgy of the Hours praying, but uh, the Alma Redemptoris Mater, loving mother of the Redeemer. That's the one I use at every season except for Easter probably, <laughs> just because uh, I think it conveys a beautiful Marian theology, the Alma Redemptoris Mater. That's uh, one of my favorites as well, yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll unpack the beautiful Marian theology. The first is, and well, the first is actually Christology in the sense that Jesus is there in the beginning of creation, that it says that you bore your creator and then it says, yet remained a virgin after as before. And so uh, it talks about the perpetual virginity of Mary and, you know, the asking her to help us to rise when we fall. It's just a, a very beautiful prayer that I've come to love and appreciate so much and daily recite. The rosary is a, a common form of Marian piety and devotion. People pray it daily. Our Lady of Fatima said, pray the rosary every day for peace in the world. But yet, I think sometimes people find it a little monotonous. They don't really engage it. They say, well, did I really pray it? Did this have any meaning? Is there a tip that you can offer to help people pray the rosary better? Well, I, I never really just sort of sit down and pray the rosary. Um, I don't know. I, I That's that's not something that I find easy to do, but I love to pray the rosary while I'm um, out walking. I do a lot of walking around town for exercise. Um, I like to pray it while I'm driving places. I like to pray it before I go to bed at night. So I feel the rosary helps me sort of fill in those other moments when you could be, you know, listening to a podcast uh, um, or uh, listening to music or, or whatever. Instead of that, you can just turn that off and pray the rosary. And I find that, you know, working it into your daily life is what really works for me. How about a favorite Marian scripture passage? You mentioned the Magnificat earlier, so it could be Mary's words right there in Luke's gospel. But as she appears, sometimes foreshadowed in the Old Testament, prophesied by the prophets or any of the places we meet her in the New Testament, any Marian passage really ever speak to you? You know, I don't think about these things, but I'm surprised I have answers to all your questions. Um, Revelation chapter 12, with the great sign that appears in the sky, and, and it ends that scene by saying that the devil went off to wake, make war on the rest of her children, those who um, uh, profess Jesus and keep the commandments. And that makes it really clear, like if there was any doubt that Mary is the mother of Christians, like scripture says it explicitly in Revelation chapter 12. And so for me, that, that really speaks to us that life is going to be a battle, it's going to be a war, but Mary is our mother, the mother of every Christian. 
Not a lot of people say Revelation 12 on this podcast. I can only remember <laughs> one other person, and it was Carlo Broussard of Catholic Answers, who is an apologist and just, you know, the queen mother image of of Revelation 12 was what he had recourse there. So uh, how about a favorite Marian apparition? Of course, Mary appeared in the diocese in which we have been ordained priests for, but there are many other apparitions. Uh, a favorite apparition of Our Lady. Yeah, I've been to Fatima. I've been to Lourdes. Um, I I guess it would have to be Our Lady of Good Help in, in Champion. I, it's such a simple message. Um, I've got it. I've memorized kind of the experience from telling it to people. Um, but it just really, I don't know, it just really captures that sort of presence of Mary with her children, her desire that we repent, her desire that we learn the faith, um, and her desire that we be instruments of that for others. There are lots of shrines to the Blessed Mother. You mentioned Holy Hill earlier. That's not a Marian apparition site. It's a devotional shrine. There are lots of shrines throughout the United States. You studied in Rome, so you may have been to other shrines in Rome or in Europe. Is there a Marian shrine you visited that left an impression on you? Well, Fatima, but but not for the reason people think. Um, Fatima is just so kitschy, you know, like there's... There were all these little shops and stuff, and you could buy like wax figures of ears and and feet and things because you'd been cured by Mary. Um, I, I don't know. I just it just really struck me as sort of how much Fatima was for for the poor, for the needy, for people that really needed something to hold on to. Um, so, and of course that the. the the procession, the candlelight procession, and the singing the Ave, Ave, Ave Maria, that, those kind of things really stuck, struck me too. Like the devotion that's kind of grown up in the past hundred years around um, that apparition. How about a Marian book recommendation? Mm, I, I like your A Heart Like Mary's. I like um, the simplicity of it. I've given it to people that I'm kind of needed to to understand Mary more deeply, and it's it's had the same effect on them of like wow, um, just that simplicity of of um, but also the profoundness of what it means to be like Mary, and the, all the different things you draw out. Like you might think, okay, well Mary was humble and Mary was prayerful, done, but you draw out so many different qualities of of what her heart is like and what her heart desires. And this was not a paid advertisement for no, a heart it's... like Mary's. And uh, I get lots I, of people... I saved it in my section of books that I never want to lose, well, that's which great. is in a very big collection. So I'm very honored by that. And, you know, that was the intention when I wrote A Heart Like Mary's was that I wanted it to be an, I wanted it to be a book in which people met Mary. Because a lot of people touted Father Michael Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory as like, oh, this is a great introduction to Marian devotion. And then you jump into the book and you read it and you're like, I don't know why St. Louis de Montfort says this. I have to give everything to Jesus through Mary and allow God to do whatever he wants. And people get really, they struggle with that. And so I found a lot of people had a little hang up with 33 Days to Morning Glory. So what I wanted to do was offer kind of, well, let's first meet Mary through the pages of Scripture, and let's see how she can change our hearts just as God wants to change our hearts. Well, let's see how Mary lived and how that can inform how we live our life. So, yeah, I'm gr glad that you enjoyed the book and that you give it to others, and it's been helpful to them. 
How about uh, a favorite Marian song? So when you celebrate Mass on these Marian feast days, is there a song that you hope the choir will sing? <laughs> My personal favorite is O Sanctissima. Very good. Well, great. Well, that is your Marian profile. And I'm so grateful for our conversation today about your book, Orions, A Pilgrimage Through Advent and Christmas. You can get it from OSV, wherever Catholic books are sold. And if people want to find you on the internet, how can they do so? Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but uh, pilgrimpriest.us is my personal blog and podcast is kind of anchored there. So pilgrimpriest.us. And your podcast, they can find also in Apple, iTunes, and the podcast Yep, it's called app. Pilgrim Priest, but you can just search for my name, Father Joel Sember, and it should come up in most podcast apps. It's in Spotify. Um, it's yeah, pretty much everywhere. And those tend to radio. be your homilies, right? Your weekend homilies? Yep, it's just a homily podcast. Well, that's great. So if you love Father Joel's new book, Orion's, also then check out his preaching and uh, and follow him on social media. So thank you so much, Father, for your conversation today. Thank you, Father Edward. God bless you. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you don't mind, please leave a review of this podcast. Please rate it on Apple Podcasts on whatever platform you listen. Share this podcast also on your social media if you don't mind. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm-hmm.